Hello, mamas, Laura here, and today we are chatting all about pregnancy cravings and healthy gestational weight gain. Enjoy! Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today, we are kicking off with episode three in the Pregnancy Nutrition series, diving into pregnancy cravings, of which I have had many, (laughs) as well as healthy gestational weight gain. Now, this is episode three of our five-part pregnancy nutrition series with the wonderful Larissa Telfer, who is an accredited practicing dietitian and diabetes educator. Don't forget, we have already released the first two episodes in this series, covering the specific nutrients needed for each individual trimester of pregnancy, as well as what foods to avoid during pregnancy. So make sure you go and have a listen to that before you dive into today's episode. There is so much amazing content coming up in this pregnancy nutrition series. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. In this pregnancy nutrition series, we'll be chatting about the ins and outs of gestational diabetes, fuel ideas for labor, and the best ways to nourish the postpartum body. We also have a bonus sixth episode exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse, where Larissa answers all of your questions around breastfeeding nutrition and baby led weaning. We cover whether keto diets or fasting after birth is appropriate, breastfeeding probiotics, what extra calories and nutrients you'll need whilst breastfeeding, and ways you may be able to help boost your own milk supply. This entire podcast series and all our other podcast series, along with our exclusive member-only bonus podcast content, is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to or watch this entire podcast series right now, rather than waiting for every episode to come out, then check out the Pregnancy Posse today. I have taken my years of experience as a women's health physiotherapist and made this information accessible to every wonderful woman online inside the Pregnancy Posse. When you join the Pregnancy Posse, I'll also guide you week by week throughout your pregnancy with safe weekly workouts tailored to your specific week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer questions from our amazing Posse members. There's a wonderful community forum where Posse members all support each other along with an extensive resources library, which will help you avoid Googling every symptom under the sun. Now, I'd love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. Now, let's get into episode three of our five-part pregnancy nutrition series. You are going to love today's chat with Larissa as we discuss pregnancy cravings and healthy gestational weight gain. Enjoy. First of all, why do women get cravings? And second of all, is it something that women should give into? Is it a, a sign your body is telling you you need these things? Mm-hmm. Or should we, for the most part, try and rein those cravings in? And, you know, for example, I craved a lot of hash browns in my first pregnancy, <laughs> a lot of cheese yeah. and Vegemite toasties in my second pregnancy. So what's your advice on cravings? And yeah, a little bit of a background maybe on why we get them in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. A really, really common one that I get asked. And I often ask women now as part of an assessment when I'm seeing them, you know, what are they getting cravings? You know, what are they getting cravings for? 
um, so we can sort of come up with a bit of a plan as well. Mm. So the exact reason why we get cravings in pregnancy is actually unclear. So there's a few thoughts or theories around why we do get cravings in pregnancy, one being the hormones in pregnancy, sort of triggering that cravings, certain nutritional deficiencies, and also just cultural and lifestyle factors. So it seems like different cultures potentially could get different cravings for different things as well. Mm. And I find that cravings are highly individual as well. And, and as you mentioned, like a lot of women will crave one thing, one pregnancy, and the next pregnancy, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, there is a little bit of research to show that they peak in the second trimester and then can decline towards the end of pregnancy. And I do find this sometimes in practice that particularly in that first and second trimester, if you're getting quite unwell or fatigued or the cravings, I guess, are more pronounced (laughs) Um, or they're more like, you know, really, really um, hard cravings for certain things and they can sort of decline towards the end of pregnancy. So, um, Mm. which is good to know. So fascinating. So for me... I, as soon as I conceive, I start craving carbs and I don't eat a lot of carbs in my regular diet. So that's why I find it so fascinating. Mm. And then as soon as the placenta is out and I'm allowed to have my first meal, all I feel like is salad and vegetables and really light uh, food. Whereas during pregnancy, all I can, you know, think about is heavy bread, you know, croissants, things like that. And what I found so fascinating about cravings as well, and a lot of members inside the Pregnancy Posse talk about their cravings and how specific they are. So I would finish a shift at work. And I remember saying to um, my colleague, I need to go to the supermarket to get one of those pink ice donuts with the sprinkles, which I I probably haven't had in six years, but I specifically, (laughs) like no other donut would suffice. It had to be the pink one with the sprinkles. And I found it so fascinating how specific women's cravings are. And I know I'm not the only one there. I'm sure you find this in your clients as well. Oh, it's fascinating. And some of the things that people crave are very obscure. I mean, obviously the common ones often like pickles, but like pickles and ice cream or, you know, it really is odd what people crave and it's so highly individual. So as I said, that's why I always ask about it because it's, yeah, something there's certainly no kind of common threads. And I think in terms of whether to kind of give in to the cravings or avoid them, it really depends on, you know, what you're actually craving. Mm. So, and, and how often you're craving it. Like, so for example, you're craving for a donut or with pink, you know, pink icing. <laughs> you're better off to just go and eat that pink donut, a pink icing donut that you're really craving. Because if you try and avoid it and eat other things, half the time you actually end up eating six times or a lot more calories or a lot more food from trying to find something to actually kind of feel that craving than if you just go and eat what you're craving to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if it's just something that you crave here or there and it's not something that you're wanting every day. Yes. I also find a lot of women actually crave fruit in pregnancy, but like mm. quite specific fruit, you know. So some people be craving watermelon or strawberries. And if you're craving watermelon or strawberries, great. <laughs> you know, that if it's something like that that you know is quite healthy and it's not going to cause too much harm, then then yeah, go right ahead. And that's something that you can have, which is great. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm thinking with your clients, let's say you are craving hash browns every single mm. day. That's when you might sit down with them and try and come up with an alternative that's maybe better for your body, but yeah. might still scratch that itch of wanting that sort of deep fried 
carby fix. Carbon salt, which fix. Yes. Which is pretty common. <laughs> you know, you're wanting that that starch kind of um, plain carb, particularly if you're feeling it unwell as well. Mm. In those sort of instances where you're craving that salty sort of carb hit, we might come up with some options. So things like salted popcorn can work well because mm-hmm. it's got that kind of crunchy salt texture and you can have the little packets in your bag so you've got them on hand whenever you need Mm. salted nuts can work as well for that salty craving or like you mentioned i find a really common one that works is like cheese and vegemite on toast or on crackers or something as well Mm. for a snack or even avocado and vegemite on toast works quite well too and those are things that people can be eating more regularly um, yes so they can work quite well yeah yeah, they're actually really good. I Now that you've said that, mm. I actually think most of them probably would have hit the spot um, mm. if I had given them the opportunity. But I guess when you're in the thick of a craving, it's hard yeah. to think of alternatives. So it's good that you've just listed off you know, those four or five salty options for women who are craving that that saltiness. And I know a lot of women, we will talk about this a little bit later about nausea and morning sickness, but I know a lot of women crave salt to curb their nausea and crackers and and things like that. So we'll get into that in in, in a second. But I wanted to speak about uh, two things now. Yeah. Uh, healthy gestational weight gain because I know mm. that's a little passion area of yours um, and I know that these days it's very inconsistent um, whether weight is measured so I know personally my weight was never tracked in either of my pregnancies but I know some women who are weighed every time they go in so um, can you give us just like a, a the download I guess on healthy gestational weight gain yeah it's very interesting and I agree with what you're saying that it's really inconsistent so some women uh, weighed every visit some people it's not just discussed at all so it's Mm. really quite variable in how I guess weight is discussed with women in pregnancy Um, and I think part of the reason this is is that it's a sensitive topic so I know when um, I've spoken to some doctors that they find it quite uncomfortable having a discussion with weight with women in pregnancy because it is sensitive and I think that it is a tricky thing to to bring up in conversation as well for, for doctors in it's not something they discuss all the time Mm. However, saying that, I have um, also experienced uh, lots of women who are further along down the pregnancy and they say to me, oh, I really wish someone had discussed healthy weight gain with me earlier on so I was more aware of it because it just wasn't something they thought about Mm. Um, and they really wish they had actually had that information from the start of pregnancy so really empowered about you know how much weight they should be gaining during pregnancy. Mm. The actual I guess healthy weight gain in pregnancy it's really highly individual it comes down to your weight and your BMI prior to pregnancy. For example, women who start pregnancy with a higher body weight may not need to gain as much weight as someone who starts off the pregnancy who might be underweight and need to gain more weight in pregnancy. And there is some guidelines around how much weight specifically to gain depending on what your BMI is at the start of the pregnancy. Hmm. In terms of, you know, I guess, a bit of an average ballpark so people have a bit of an idea. If you're, I guess, a healthy weight or a healthy BMI at the start of your pregnancy, you're looking at a range of sort of 11 and a half to 16 kilos being a sort of healthy weight range. The overall kind of average weight gain for pregnancy is around 13 kilos. Well, that's probably really good because, like you said, if you've never heard about weight before, yeah. you have no concept of, yeah, is it five? Is it 25? Where, where's exactly. the norm? But 13 kilos is about average. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a really handy practical number. 
And again, it's something if you want to get that goal, it's, you know, specific for yourself, speaking with your doctor, asking them about it, or a dietitian as well can actually provide that guidance for you on on how much a kind of healthy weight gain is. Mm. Um, And also rate of weight gain as well, like, you know, how much weight you should be gaining a month, you know, for example, as well. That was going to be my next question, Mm. because I know a few Pregnancy Posse members have brought this up, but is there... Is it linear? You know, is Mm. there a progression that you should see a gradual weight gain throughout pregnancy or will some women, is it completely normal to gain a lot in the first trimester and then very little after that? Look, there is guidance around kind of healthy weight gain per month in the second and third trimester. So, Mm -hmm. for example, for someone who's a normal weight at the start of their pregnancy, they're looking at sort of one and a half to 2.2, 2.3 kilos a month, for example. Mm -hmm. However, I always want to stress that it's not always, with weight gaining pregnancy, it's not going to be a specific thing where you put on half a kilo each week. Um, Because you have periods where you grow quite quickly or particularly because of the fluid changes or fluid retention at certain weeks. It's never going to be a perfect linear trajectory. So I Mm. think that's really important to stress and really important to keep in mind that, Mm. yes, there's some guidance around you know, averages and what that looks like, but it, it's always going to look different from week to week. Yeah. yeah. And so. do you have, because I know a lot of women may take this and freak out about it. Mm. Do you have any like uh, wisdom, I guess, or advice around those women who are jumping on the scales every week and worrying about their weight gain? Is it okay if it fluctuates up and down provided that you are having a healthy diet and exercising regularly? Like is that at the end of the day the crux of it? Is that as long as you're doing whatever's in your control, obviously we know some women will put on Mm. 30 kilos because of other factors like fluid and big babies and whatnot. So do you have like a, yeah, I just know some women may take that and get a little Mm. bit nervous by it. Absolutely. No, that is a very, very good point. So, yes, there is like some women who, you know, I, I see to, they're in their third trimester and they've already put on over 20 kilos. So they've put on 25 kilos and they're really mm. disheartened. But then when we actually, you know, weight is only one marker of health. So it's it's one marker that we look at, but certainly when I sit down with women and we're, we're working through, you know, a bit of an assessment, so to speak, I'm always looking at what are they eating? What's their activity levels like? You know, are they getting all their nutrients? And as I mentioned, weight is definitely only one marker of health. Um, It's not an indication of someone's lifestyle or what they've eaten. Mm. And yes, some women are prone to putting on more fluid, particularly in the third trimester, which might mean that they're, they're carrying more weight, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's more, you know, fat or body weight as such. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, it is one factor in the entire picture mm. of health. So, yeah, that's a really good summary. And I know this is probably a hard one to answer because it's probably quite specific to the mm. individual, but I have also been asked some questions around the safety of dieting or mm. calorie restricting or actually trying to lose weight in pregnancy if you did start off overweight. So what's your mm. advice on that? This is another thing that, yeah, I get asked as well from time to time in practice. And I think it comes down to what your perception of diet or calorie restriction is. Mm. So everyone's um, perception or or what they'd consider as calorie restriction or dieting is is quite individual as well. So I'd always like to explore what that actually means. Mm. So is it restricting to less than a thousand calories today a day? Or, you know, is it about making sure you're getting all your fruits and vegetable serves and and that's how you perceive, you know, a diet, if that Mm. makes sense. 
In terms of, you know, a woman's nutritional requirements in pregnancy, it is still very highly individual. So it does come down to the, uh, someone's activity levels. You know, some women have really active jobs when they're pregnant, so they're on their feet all day and they're actually needing more energy to fuel that, mm. um, you know, and underlying medical conditions as well. Generally, we don't suggest strict diets or calorie restriction in pregnancy particularly diets that might require long periods without eating or fasting because I find that really can trigger that nausea and vomiting and feeling horrible in pregnancy mm. as well. Or diets that eliminate whole food groups. For example, some diets suggest that you need to eliminate all grains. But we know grains are a really important source of that folate that we've spoken about um, B vitamins and a lot of our grain foods are actually where we get iron as well. And we've seen that women that have lower intakes of um, carbohydrates in pregnancy, for example, also then have a lower intake of some of those minerals that are really key for, for pregnancy as well. So if it's something that you're struggling with in terms of you normally are quite a strict eater or you're normally someone that is dieting a lot, it's really worthwhile checking in with a dietitian in pregnancy to work through some of those habits that you have and uh, ways of eating and make sure that they are healthy for pregnancy um, or do we need to try and, and modify some of those, those habits so that they are safe in pregnancy. Mm, yeah, really sensible. So mm. I think the, the key there is definitely check in with someone because mm. it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It yep. may be appropriate for you, it may not, but best to speak mm. to somebody about that. Mm. Now, we know that a lot of women feel awfully nauseous and mm. have a lot of morning slash all-day sickness in that first yes. trimester. Yeah. Do you have any advice on foods that may be a little bit easier to digest or to help mm. curb their nausea in that first trimester? Because I know this was a really, really hot topic that women wanted me to ask you about yes. is how do I keep down food? What, what are your tips around that? Yes, yeah. So I've got yeah a few tricks and tips, I guess, to help with that nausea in the first trimester. But I just want to preface by saying it's so individual. So what works for some women does not work for others. Correct. So I think, you know, try these things. They either, they may or they may not work. But if you get to a point where they really, you know, you're vomiting frequently, you're dehydrated, you're not keeping any food down, definitely speak to your doctor because there is safe medications that you can take to help with that as well. Mm. But I guess some things that do help, firstly, having something small to eat before you get out of bed in the morning. It's very specific, but I also find it's quite effective. It seems to be like a, that empty stomach that can trigger that nausea and vomiting. And that's why I think it gets the name as morning sickness. Um, so getting up and getting you know, um, on with your day on an empty stomach can really trigger that nausea and vomiting, particularly mm. in that first trimester. So um, you know, a few dry crackers or something next to the bed can be have, you know, a couple of crackers before you get out of bed in the morning um, can actually really help to curb that, that nausea from the start of the day and, and sort of break that cycle for the rest of the day. A mm. um, couple of other things, uh, eating regularly. So, again, you know, going long periods without eating and, and getting that really empty stomach can trigger that nausea and vomiting as well so regular snacks between meals um, small frequent meals throughout the day if you're feeling really awful the sort of sitting down to a big hot meal at night is just not you know a lot of women just can't even bear the thought of it but 
you know, sort of I guess a more grazing style of eating might work more effectively. It's still getting in some good foods but not, um, you know, avoiding that feeling of nausea and vomiting. Yes, I know so many mm. women who just, I don't know if you're the same with lip balm, but you know how you have lip balm in the yeah. car and the bedside table? That's how I am with lip balm. And yeah. I know women become like that with crackers. There's crackers in their handbag, yeah. in the car, at their work desk at yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> certainly people will say to me, if they, if they need to eat and if they don't, then they end up just feeling horrible. And once they get in that cycle of feeling horrible, it just goes on for the rest of the day. Yes. So. And it can come on quite quickly, that yeah. hunger slash nauseous feeling. Um, yeah. And if you need to then walk to a cafe to get food and then come back, it can be too long in between. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I like things like crackers, the salted popcorn and um, those types of things, some salted nuts and those types of foods can work really well because they can last in your handbag for long periods of time, shoved down the bottom or in the car. You can have them on hand in your desk drawer um, and they work really well. Yeah. A few other things. So ginger can help for some people. I guess there's a few different ways you can have ginger. It could be ginger tea. Some people find like the ginger lollies or ginger ale can actually help to settle nausea. And you can actually get ginger tablets from the pharmacy as well that can help for some people. Mm. It depends on they're not overly palatable, but they do work for some people. So it can be worth a try. I think when you're um, feeling horrible in that first trimester, most women will try anything. Try anything. (laughs) (laughs) And then trying to keep it plain as well. So often I think you mentioned like yourself, you're craving those kind of carbohydrate sort of starchy plain food. So Mm. um, things like toast and crackers, um, fruits can be really good as well. Some people find natural yogurt works well because it's quite bland and refreshing. Popcorn, those types of really just plain carb foods can be a bit, I guess, better tolerated in the stomach. So avoiding and I know them. a lot of women, even um, plain from a taste point of view, but mm. the smell of um, yeah. really rich foods can set nausea off. So having yeah. uh, my advice to women, I remember when I opened the fridge in the morning after having tacos the night before and I pretty much dry reached just at the smell of the tacos you know, in the fridge, which normally wouldn't set me off. But I think I then after that just decided only plain cooked meals in the fridge. So there's no funny smells or like really rich smells because even just that can set your nausea or your gag Mm. reflex off as well. Absolutely. And I think we touched on it when we were talking about iron as well, but that's that hypersensitivity of smells that can really set set you off. So trying to have cold foods and cold Mm. meals can work quite well so um you know even things like fritters or frittatas and things that um and they're relatively plain but they can be eaten cold people find they really tolerate those types of of meals and foods much better than their typical hot you know Mm. veg meal yeah Yeah, that's good advice actually Mm. have you um not food related but if you found a lot of clients because i have um find brushing their teeth to be really Mm gag reflex nausea vomiting inducing yes i have heard that quite a bit actually yeah Mm. which is um yeah tricky because you still need to be (laughs) brushing your teeth but yeah it's just funny the things that you become quite sensitive to and i guess there's quite a smell associated too with the Mm. toothpaste and things as well which probably doesn't help but yeah i know my sister-in-law could only tolerate apples um unfortunately she was sick her entire pregnancy Mm. 
and her her babies are much older now and she still to this day cannot eat apples because of the <laughs> the memory associated with how awful she felt so it's really yeah. fascinating isn't it um yeah. Yeah. these these associations that we have yeah. oh i love it do you have any other um tips for managing nausea or morning sickness in the first trimester I think the only other thing is making sure you're keeping your fluids up, particularly yes. if you're vomiting. Um, so if you're getting dehydrated, that's actually then going to make things worse as well. You're going to crave salt more. You, you just It's going to keep things, I guess, rolling along that vicious cycle of nausea and vomiting. I don't know about you, but I find a lot of women struggle having plain water if they're mm. feeling quite nauseous. Flavouring water with like slices of lemon and citrus or even diluting some juice into water can really help to keep the fluids up because that's the really important thing if you're vomiting really regularly to make sure you're really keeping hydrated because we need to avoid becoming really badly dehydrated. Otherwise, you may need to, to go into hospital or see a doctor for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And would you recommend, again, like small sips regularly mm. throughout the day as opposed to trying to get a whole glass of water down in one go? Absolutely. Yeah, mm. sipping. And some people find they tolerate soda water and fizzy water's better mm. and that's okay. If you're at that point where you just really need to keep yourself hydrated, that's okay. Yeah, mm. yeah great yeah. advice. And we know that uh, fluid consumption is super important for your bowels as well. So unfortunately, mm. when you fall pregnant, you are up against it a little bit because progesterone slows our digestive system down. Combine that with maybe some iron supplements and you know, a few other factors and a lot of women end up constipated. So mm. I know I talk a lot to women about mooing on the toilet and using their footstool. If you haven't heard me talk about this, um, yeah. come and have a chat with me because I'm very passionate about making sure we're not constipated and straining our pelvic floor during pregnancy because this can really increase a woman's risk of prolapse. But from a dietetics point of view, mm. what advice do you have? We know fiber is really important. So what advice do you have around helping to manage constipation for women during pregnancy? Yeah, again, this is quite common. So some of the stats are that um, up to about 50% of women will experience constipation in pregnancy. And to be honest, in practice, I would say it's even higher than that. Mm. Um, it's really common because of those hormonal changes that occur in pregnancy. And I find particularly people that have a history of constipation. So some people have struggled with constipation since they were young. Pregnancy can be really a time where this become, flares up and becomes really tricky to manage. Mm. I guess in terms of managing constipation in pregnancy, like you touched on, really boosting your fibre intake can really help. Trying to include high fibre grains and cereals like adding bran to your cereals, oats, always choosing whole grain breads and whole grain crackers that are higher in fibre as well can help to boost that fibre intake. Also, your fruits and veggies are a really important source of fibre as well. So making sure you're having, you know, getting your five serves of veggies if you can and uh, at least two serves of fruit each day. Mm. There is a few fruits that actually can be quite effective with constipation, those being pear and kiwi fruit and also dried prunes, which we're often familiar with, can keep things moving as well. And even uh, pear and prune juice are quite effective in keeping the bowels moving as well. So those can be useful to have on hand. And is it true that eating the skin on kiwi fruit is like an extra boost of fibre? Mm, 
It is. That's correct. Yeah. So it's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. My um, hot tip is only yellow. The greens yeah. are too furry, just the yellow. That's quite yeah. easy to digest. It's a bit, bit more palatable. <laughs> so if that's something, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth a try. Same with your veggies as well. Like things like carrot, um, you don't actually need to peel. So a lot of the fiber in your veggies is actually in the skin. So mm. like I know personally when I'm cooking, I always leave the skin on carrots. Mm. Um, and if you're perhaps doing like roasted, you know, potatoes in the oven or something, the skin can actually stay on there and it actually helps to increase the fiber content mm. as well, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a really easy way. If you're cooking that vegetable anyway, mm. um, it actually saves you time to not have to peel the, yeah, the exactly. skin off and you're getting more fiber. That's yeah. That's right. really great advice. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously quite hard because women feel quite nauseous as well Um, but like you you just gave some really easy examples Mm. I think of different ways to to include fiber in your diet what if you're trying your best to include that fiber but you're still struggling is there like what's the next step is there supplements is what do you recommend women take after they've tried the diet approach so there is some like clear fiber supplements that you can get over the counter at the pharmacy as mm-hmm. well and they can be quite handy because they can be added to um like smoothies and drinks and things like that as well which is good particularly because whenever we increase fiber for our bowel health we need to make sure we're increasing our fluid intake as well correct so i think that things that increase the fiber intake but also fluid are kind of a um a double double win yeah. Mm. yeah. I've actually recommended smoothies a lot to my clients who yeah. can tolerate it if they're not too sick or nauseous because I find that's a really great way to get heaps of fruit and veg in without yes. feeling like um you know you're eating an entire plate but also like you said for the the fluid part of it it's super important because you can actually go the opposite way can't you if you're having a lot of fiber without mm. the fluid you can make yourself more constipated is that true? That's correct. Yes. Mm. So Whenever you're increasing your fiber intake or trying some of these things to boost your fiber intake, it's really crucial that you're also having enough fluid or increasing your fluid intake. So, Mm. um, yeah, I agree. Things like smoothies and um, even adding things like your LSA powders and things to smoothies are a really great way to kind of boost your um, fluid intake and your fiber intake as well. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, a dietitian friend did recommend things like mm. chia seeds and LSA to a smoothie because, again, they're things that you barely even taste, but they yeah. do make the world of difference to your bowels for a lot of women. So that's Absolutely. really good advice. Thank you so much, Lucy. I think that gives us such a good summary of um, managing these really common things um, in pregnancy. Hey mamas, Laura here, and I really hope that you loved that episode. I particularly loved the discussion around pregnancy cravings and the easy food swap ideas that Larissa gave to make healthier alternatives. I really could have done with that information in my first pregnancy, where I was just smashing good old McDonald's drive through for my hash brown fix. Now, I also liked her discussion around weight gain because I know many women are unsure of what is a normal amount of weight gain because not all birth providers measure this anymore. And whilst I also don't think that it is very important for all women to be concerned about weight, and especially those who might be triggered by weighing themselves, I do think it is great information for those women who are genuinely curious. Now, if you'd like to learn more from Larissa, you can find her on Instagram at prenatal underscore dietitian. I'd also love to hear from you over on my socials at PhysioLaura and let me know your favorite learning from today's episode. 
In the next few episodes of this pregnancy nutrition series, we will be chatting with Larissa about gestational diabetes, fuel for labor, postpartum nutrition, and so much more. If you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes in this wonderful podcast series. Now, If you love today's episode and you want to devour the next two episodes in this pregnancy nutrition series, you can find this entire series along with all our other podcast series live right now inside The Pregnancy Posse. For most series of the podcast, we also record exclusive bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members. And in the bonus member-only episode for this series, Larissa answers members' questions about breastfeeding nutrition and baby-led weaning. So we chat about the extra nutrients and calories that you'll need when breastfeeding feeding, whether keto diets or fasting are a good option after birth, breastfeeding probiotics, and so much more. Inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing pelvic pain, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with myself. I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial the program for seven days. I'll catch you soon for episode four in this five-part pregnancy nutrition series where we'll be discussing everything to do with gestational diabetes. Until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.